Oh man, church. Well, here we go. It is uh, a privilege and an honor to get to be with you to share uh, again one last time from this role. Um, here's the thing that's cool. The world is small and uh, we travel and visit our friends. I'm actually um, I'm at a, a church that I used to be a part of next week and visiting friends and, and family there as I'm down there for a wedding. And so uh, the world is small and we stay connected and it is a, uh, a really good deal. And um, there's a few things that I know I, I just need to say and that's kind of how it is. And so I have the microphone one last time so you get to listen. That's how that works. <laughs> Easy, easy. Donald with the power reminding me who's in control of the service, not me. That's awesome. Anyways, I, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, but not everybody was in the room, and so I want to say this uh, uh, as I leave. I, I recognize that this is hard, and, uh, and I want you to know this is hard for us, and we are uh, trusting God and believing in God, and we don't know all the next pieces. We don't have a place to live yet. Everyone keeps asking me, when are you leaving? I'm like, when we find a place to live. Um, <laughs> we'll figure it out. And uh, Christine and I actually had a, a tough conversation this week where she said, you know, I feel, I feel like some of these steps should be easier. And I said, we can't stand in front. I can't stand in front and preach and say, sometimes God in the process puts you through the squeeze and then be frustrated when God puts us through the squeeze. And so, so I recognize we're in the squeeze, uh, just like many of you in your life are in the squeeze. This church is in the squeeze and God uses those refining moments to get out of us what needs to get out of us and to deposit into us what he wants to deposit into us. And, uh, and I just need to say thank you. Uh, thanks for loving us and our family and my kids uh, so well and my wife um, who uh, 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 you guys have loved incredibly well and it's been my great pleasure to share and be with you for this season. Um, I was thinking last week after we baptized so many that I was like, I don't, how, what do you do after that? That's like the ultimate high water uh, moment. We take our faith and go public. And so today um, I just want to talk a little bit as we close about the secret place. And, uh, and the secret place is the place where we meet intimately with God and where he gives us strength and where he sustains us and where he uh, builds us up. Um, so I got to talk to you a little bit this morning about what is the secret of the secret place. The Bible talks about a secret place and says there is a place where we meet with God, where we connect with God. And there are some secrets, I believe, of, in the scriptures of how do we meet with God and know his heart and know his will. Psalm 91.1 um, in the King James Version says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It is possible for us to live our lives in the secret place. I was thinking back through this last season, and I was thinking about how if I knew all the things that God was gonna do in my life, if I could go back and I knew those things going forward, I would have screwed it all up. I am so grateful that I don't know all the things God is gonna take us through, take me through, because I know I would mess that up. And sometimes I'm frustrated because I like to have a plan, but if I were to go back and talk to even just my high school self, my, my first year of college self, when I went off to college, I had a plan. I told the Lord, I said, I'll give you one year at a lousy Bible college, and then I'm going to a real college, right? Then I'm going to Berkeley, and I'll be a lawyer, and I'll be the guy who writes the big check so all the kids can go to summer camp. That was my goal, right? That was my plan. I did not want to be the guy that actually spoke at the summer camp, that wasn't the goal at all. And if the Lord told me, you're going to be the guy that speaks at the summer camp, I would have ran. 
I would have fled that destiny. That was not who I wanted to be or what I wanted to, be, to go through. I would have run away. And I, I think it's pretty funny that, that uh, if we look back, I think there's some times we'd go, God, if, if we knew you were gonna take us through this to get us to here, we never would have went through it. But now, looking back, I'm so incredibly grateful for all of the steps for every season, for every place that he's taken me. Several years ago, four years ago, I couldn't say Puyallup. <laughs> I remember the first time, gosh, I think I was, uh, I was driving in from Everett, and uh, I was trying to meet over at, uh, it's now Canyon Ridge Church, with the youth pastor that was there, a guy named Rob Maton. And uh, I was trying to get directions, and it was pre, uh, pre-phones that told you how to get places. Siri didn't direct you yet. So you had to actually write down directions and then look for exits. And he's like, and, and I'm looking at this map, and I'm like, so you turn on, and he's like, you're not from around here, right? And I was like, no, I don't know this place. And now it is one of the places I love, I pray for, I believe God wants to transform and change. And what a fun Uh, way that God brings all these things in. If God had told me all the way back then that someday I'd be living in Puyallup, I would have chickened out. I would have chickened out. If he told me this journey was going to look like this, I would have chickened out. I know that, but I'm so grateful for what he's done in the process. I heard one pastor say, God knows when to show you what. God knows when to show you what. And sometimes we like to know what right away. But your heavenly father knows when to show you what. And I know there's some things in your life, if you could see it now, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. You went through some things that now you're stronger, better, more prepared, more whole, more healed than if you never went through them. But if you knew up front, you wouldn't have gone that direction. I think about people I've sat with in difficult life stuff that they've gone through and they're telling me their story and they're sharing their story and I'm thinking I never could have gone through that and they're saying no you don't understand God used it you don't understand what God's doing because of it you don't understand what's changed now because of that so we're gonna this morning kind of wrap up our series on David and this journey and we're gonna go to Psalm 91 and if you have your Bibles you can pop it open and we're gonna walk through a little just a little bit about this idea of existing in the secret place. And Psalm 91 is kind of a tricky psalm. We don't know who wrote it for sure. Um, historians disagree. Uh, basically, a lot of the psalms, if we know who wrote it, it's because in the first line of the psalm, it says a psalm of David or a psalm of Moses or a psalm. But the psalms are a collection of songs and, uh, and poetry that was written by several different authors. And we just don't know the answer of who wrote Psalm 91. We know Moses wrote Psalm 90. So many people believe he probably wrote Psalm 91, that they might have been grouped together, but we don't know that. What we do know about the author of Psalm 91 is that he had an experience and was experienced at being close to God and having intimacy and connection to God. And experience is a good teacher. Experience is an important teacher. I was thinking about how important experience has been in my life. I was thinking about when I was younger and I first started driving. I had that 1986 Chevy Sprint I talked about a few weeks ago. It lasted for about three months before I, uh, I, I didn't put any oil in it. And we had that conversation. But one of the places I went in that 1986 Chevy Sprint was up a mountain called Mount Diablo where I grew up. Now, it's nothing compared to the mountain we got here, but it's a mountain. 
And it's called Mount Diablo. I lived in the shadow of, uh, of Devil Mountain, right, growing up. What's funny is my name was Michael Pagan for a long time, and I lived on Diablo Court. So I'm actually the pagan family from Devil Court growing up. That's just the legacy I started with. Talk about God changing names and identities and destinies, right? <laughs> that was our lot in life. But uh, that's a whole other story. Anyways, I got my 1986 Chevy Sprint, and I got my dumbest friend in the car with me. I can say that honestly, and it's still true today. And uh, <laughs> we're up Mount Diablo because we can, basically, right? We got a car for the first time in our lives, and it's got a tank of gas, and we want to see where we can go. And we drive up Mount Diablo, and we're up there, and it's getting late at night. We don't have maps or phones or responsibility <laughs> built into our life yet. And so we're there way too late, and it gets dark, and we're driving down this windy road to get down the mountain. And pretty soon, I won't say who, but one of us was like, wouldn't it be fun to try to drive down this with no headlights? Oh, the lack of experience and wisdom in life. When I look back, at 16-year-old Mike, I want to punch him in the face. I'm so grateful at the kindness and the goodness of God. And we're flying down this mountain with no headlights on, windy roads, just flashing our headlights every once in a while to see what's going on ahead of us. And, and uh, just laughing like the ignorant children that we were. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be recorded. At one point... At one point, we flash our headlights, and there's a rabbit in the road. Let's just say we nicknamed him Thumper. As we went flying down the road, it was a horrific moment, and I was irresponsible, and I was a child. And I look back now, and you could never get me to do that again. You, could ne you know why you could never get me to do that again? Experience has taught me some things. I've been in a wreck now. I know what it's like. I have different levels of, uh, of mental maturity that I just didn't possess at that time. Experience is an incredible teacher. And when you look back, there's no substitute for some of the experiences that you've been through. And the author of this psalm has been through some stuff with God. And there's an experience that is now being kind of shared and shed that all of us can gain and say, okay, this is what some of this looks like. So I'm going to read it, and I'm going to just kind of walk through it a little bit, and then I'm just going to give you four keys to living in the secret place, and then we'll be done. Psalm 91.1, I'm now switching to the NIV because it's just easier. Um, it doesn't say secret place, it says shelter here. But he says, whoever dwells in the shelter or the secret place of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. Where is it? Wouldn't it be nice if the secret place was just a physical place and it was just simple and easy to give directions to go to the secret place? To just shelter with God. If I told you, if you want to shelter with God, all you got to do is jump on I-5 Get off on this exit, head down this path right here, boom, shelter, secret place, be with God. It'd be easy, and we would run there, and we would naturally go there. If I told you the secret place is more mechanical than that, you could just, if you, it's every time that you go into your prayer closet is the secret place. If I could just make it mechanical like that, it would be so much easier. It gives me tension. What is it? Where is the secret place? 
the reality is it's not a physical place. It's a decision in your soul and in your spirit to be present with God. Matter of fact, we were just worshiping and some of you were in the secret place. Some of you missed it. Some of you were, were passing judgment. It's too loud or it's too quiet or it's too bright or it's too dark or I don't like this song. And you just cruised right by the secret place and don't even realize it. And some of you didn't even need the music. Didn't matter what Clint was doing because you came for an appointment in the secret place. I'm just saying, church, the secret place is a decision you make to get into the presence of your heavenly father. And it's available to you when you decide to go there. And I love his language. The author is, he says, when you shelter in, when you dwell in the secret place of the most high, you'll rest in the shadow of the almighty. And that word almighty is an amazing word in the scriptures. It literally means burly, powerful, Able to ravage. How cool is that? Able to ravage is one of the definitions of almighty right there. And it's like when you make a decision to get into the presence of your heavenly father, you are in the shadow of the one who's able to ravage. You know what he's saying? Your dad is bigger than their dad. When you make that decision to get into that place. He goes on to say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There's so much here. I'm just going to unpack a few different things. But can I just say this? Your trust is always going to get tested. Your trust is always going to get tested. Do you trust your heavenly father? I mean, really trust him? That's a question that has to be answered individually in your life and in my life. You can't take refuge with someone you don't trust. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I watch all the time you know, kids playing, hey, you know, this is based and they're safe. Okay, hi, I'm just kidding. Whack, right? You can't take refuge with someone you don't trust. Half of you are laughing because you're that guy or you were that kid, <laughs> right? Or you had that kid as a brother, right? It's safe, it's safe, okay, come out. We've been playing hide and go seek, ah, whack, right? Watch my kids nailing each other with dark guns. But you can't take refuge with someone you don't trust. And here's the psalmist is saying, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my God in whom I trust. We called this whole series, Trust the Process. And the question is, do you actually trust him who's over the process? Do you trust God? Do you really believe the promises of his word that he has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you hope in a future? Do you really believe that? Do you trust that about your heavenly father? You can't have a successful process that you're trusting if you don't trust the author of the process. And let's be honest, trust only matters when things are tough. Right? Trust doesn't matter when things aren't tough. Right? I got a full belly and a full wallet and a full mission to go on and a full plan and I'm just in it and I don't need any help. Trust isn't really that big a deal. Trust comes into play when stress gets on the system, when outside things are out of your control, when, 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 you, when you hear the diagnosis, when you get the bad news, when you're trying to figure out and you don't know exactly what God's doing. That's when trust really 
matters. But let me just tell you this. Trust will take you to the secret place. You want to know how to get access to the secret place? You got to trust him. You got to trust him. Trust is the pathway in. Verse three, surely he'll save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence. And I looked at this over and over again. And I was like, seriously? How about he just doesn't let the fowler exist? How about he just wipes out all pestilence and sickness? But I just recognize this. There's always a trap waiting when you're in the process. And you've got to be aware that accessing the secret place and trusting God is the key to avoiding the traps. You want to see some guys tank their marriage, put them in a process where things aren't going well for a while. Those traps will start popping up quick. You want to see someone sabotage relationships with their family? Let them be too long in a process waiting for God to do what he said he's going to do. And they start trying to manhandle the mission. Come on, we talked about that. There's always going to be a snare and a trap out there. The answer to navigating those things is accessing God regularly in the secret place. The psalmist tells us you can't fall into the snare when you're in the secret place. You can't fall into the snare when you're in the presence of your heavenly father, if you're connected to God in that place. You wanna know if you're connecting often enough, how often are you falling into a snare? How often are you getting tripped up? How often is that temptation the one that you just blew it on? Because that's your filter for if you spend enough time in the secret place. That's your armor. That's your defense. It's available to you and it's there for you. Look at this language. He'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I love this. Who's your refuge? Who's your refuge? God. Whose faithfulness do you rely on? God's. Who shelters you? God does. I love this picture of God sheltering over you, monitoring who gets in and who gets out, right? I love that shirt, you know, tell the devil not today, <laughs> right? Not today, devil, not today. I'm in the shelter, I'm in the secret place. His wings are around me. You know that, that, I'll be careful. I was gonna say that mother-in-law call that you're avoiding right now because you know that she's gonna call, just go right to the spot, but I didn't wanna be particular mother-in-laws because there's some father-in-laws with the same problem, but, uh, <laughs> right? You know that call from that person who's judgmental or that shot from that work person that's a, that comes in and just crushes and soul crushes your whole week. You know that family you have a relationship with and they say that judgmental. And it's like the picture the psalmist gives is the more you stay in the secret place, the more protected, the more guarded, the more sheltered you are. Your heavenly father says, not today, not today. Rachel, don't, you don't get to receive that today because you're in my place, right? They may be saying what they need to say. That's just bouncing off my wings. It's just bouncing off my shelter. You can count on me. You can trust me. Those lies don't have access to you. They can't take root in your heart. They're just hollow and empty and false. Why? Because you know who you are. Why? Because you're in my secret place. I'm just saying. I love this picture too of, it's like this visible sign that you're protected. In our, in our lives, like, you ever drive by a house and you see the little sign out and it says protected by ADT, right? And you just know that they paid for that sign or stole it from somewhere. 
maybe or maybe not. They don't have it. I don't know if they have the security or not, but they got the sign, right? And the sign is an indicator that there is an additional force protecting this place. And entering regularly into the secret place, making the secret place your dwelling is how you tell the world protected by G-O-D, right? There's a sign outside and they try to come and take shots at you. And they're like, you're not good enough. And, and, and you're this, and you should be more this. And, and they're just like, bam, no, you can't. I don't even receive that. I'm just smiling and I'm full of joy. And I'm sorry that whatever's broken in you is coming out right now. But I believe that God has a better thing for you than the thing that's coming out right now. How can I have that confidence? Oh yeah, because I got the wings, brother. They're surrounding me and protecting me. And I'm confident in who I am because my refuge and my comfort is in my father. And I've been spending time in the secret place. Just saying. Verse five, you won't fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And he's just saying, essentially, the secret place keeps fear at bay. You wanna know if you've been spending time and your dwelling's been in the secret place? Stick a thermometer in your fear. Stick a thermometer in there. If that thing goes up to the top, you haven't been spending enough time in the secret place. How are you responding when, when, when the unknown hits? Is it a fear-based response? Then probably, I'm just saying, it might be time to spend a little more time in the secret place, in the presence of your Father and your Heavenly Father. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, and no disaster will come near your tent. Protection and perspective. That's the promise of the secret place. I'll protect you and I'll help you see what's really going on. I'll help you see the battle that's really happening. There's a spiritual, spiritual battle happening that your eyes can't see unless you're in the secret place. There's an actual fight that's happening that you can't see unless your eyes are in the secret place. And when you're in the secret place, you can count on the protection of your heavenly father. He's like, listen, you will get protection. You will get perspective. And you'll see exactly what God's doing in the moment. You might not have the end picture, but you'll see, oh, he's fighting my battles right now. I don't know where this thing's gonna end, but my dad is tough and he's got this and I can trust him. Verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. This is an incredible passage. You've probably heard this before. We read last week, this is the passage the devil tried to use to tempt Jesus. He tried to manipulate Jesus. And we talked about how anyone can take the scripture out of context and try to manipulate you. And you have to be rooted in the word of God so you know that you don't get manipulated. But, uh, but this is a beautiful picture of the king of heaven letting angels know, hey, this one's mine. This one lives and dwells in the secret place. And when the battle's on, this is who I want you to protect. This is the guard that has to be up. 
We don't talk about angels a lot in church. The scripture talks about them plenty. It says they're active and mobile. God deploys them. We can count on them coming to our defense on his behalf. What a crazy and great picture of that. And then he uses this great visual display of treading on the lion and the cobra. And we recognize in the scriptures, the enemy is depicted as a roaring lion or depicted as a serpent. And we just go, we do not fear what the enemy has because we understand our place and our dwelling is in the secret place. Verse 14, this is... uh, I was probably about 15, 16 years old when I read this for the first time, and it just changed my heart and life towards my behavior with God. And this is why I really wanted to share this passage. Everyone talks about the command as angels concerning you part of this passage, and it's the part we all know, but this is the part that inspires me with confidence and gives me the kind of courage that it takes to walk through the process and trust God by remaining in the secret place. Verse 14 says this, the Lord speaks to the psalmist as he's writing this and says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. And I remember the first time I realized that my decision to love God activated all of the heavenly promises on my behalf, not my behavior, not that I got it all right, not that I stopped sinning, Not even that I sinned less, which was the goal at least, right? I didn't want to necessarily be sinless, but I would be nice if I could just sin less, right? And all those things are the dream and all those things are the goal and all those things are part of the transforming work of what God's doing in my heart and life as I strive to become more like Jesus because I've spent more time with him and I've learned more of what that means. But none of those things are what activates the promises of God in the scriptures towards me. What activates it is this, because I love him. He has been pouring out his love towards me. And the moment I make a decision to love him back, it activates all of the promises and provision and blessings of the scripture. You want to know what the secret place is about? It's this relationship right here. This is why you can be standing right next to someone who's going into the secret place and miss it. (laughs) They're going into the secret place and you're thinking, I can't believe they worship with their hands up. I can't believe that they're kneeling. I can't believe that they're jumping around. I can't believe, like you've switched your entire perspective and their whole perspective is I just love my heavenly father and this is what's coming out of me. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I'll rescue him. I'll protect him for he acknowledges my name. Listen to this. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Not only will I take care of him, I'll protect his name and his reputation. I'll bring honor to him, not because he's got it all figured out. Let me be honest with you, church. I do not have it all figured out, but I understand I need to live in the secret place. I need to make my dwelling with my heavenly father. And every time I've done that, he's protected me. He's protected my reputation. He's, he's protected, like I haven't got it right. There's been many times I've had to go back and he's protected my, my reputation as I've apologized for blowing it. And he's still protected me. Why? Because of this promise in the scripture. He says, you call upon me, I answer him. I'm with him in trouble. I deliver him and I honor him. And then listen to this, with long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. I'm just telling you, it's what the scripture says. So you can read into that what you want. 
I'm excited about the real long life, but it looks like the scriptures say when I make that decision, I can count on him right here in this moment. You want to add some length to your life? Spend some time in the secret place. Make that a priority. I don't have time. You're right. It's slipping away from you. You want some more? Go get it. That's where you get it. So let me give you four quick keys about the secret place, and then we're, we're going to be done. Key number one, secret place keys. It is personal. This is a personal decision and choice you got to make. You can't get to the secret place corporately. You can't count on me to get you to the secret place. You can't show up, stand next to Andrew. He's worshiping with everything you got and just be like, get some of that secret place on me. It doesn't work that way. Husbands, can I be real for a second? You can't send your ambassador to church and make sure that you guys are in the secret place. I'm just saying. Men, specifically, you got to make a decision to go into the secret place. You can't say, oh, my wife handles that part. And vice versa is true, and I know that's true and and flipped for some. I'm making a generalization, though, because I want you to hear that, men. i got to talk to my fellows for just a minute. you got to make a decision to go there. It's got to be in your heart, and you got to be surrendered and vulnerable and willing. It's personal. It's personal. Youth and children, you can't say, well, my parents went to church, so we're Christian. Secret place. Doesn't work that way. Some of you are children still to a loving grandparent age person who's praying for you. And they're, you know what they're praying? They're not praying you into the secret place. They're praying that you would go to the secret place. But their secret place isn't covering you. It's personal. You have to make that decision. You have to decide to go there. Grandmama can't get you there. Mama can't get you there. You got to go. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. There's no other way but by personal choice. Because he loves me, not they. It's personal. God's like, I'll let you in. I want to spend time with you. I know I keep harping on the worship experience, but it's just very simple. Some of you are in the secret place right now. Letting God speak to your heart and challenging you. It's personal. Second, it's intended to be a full-time residence. He says, he who dwells, not he who hangs, not he who visits, not he who tarries for a while. He who dwells, he who lives there, he who makes it a lifestyle, he who puts down roots and says, in my life, I'm going to go to the secret place. I'm going to make a decision. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to take 10 or 15 minutes before I eat my Cheerios and drink my coffee to say, God, this morning, this day, I want to establish that I'm living in the secret place. Is there anything you want to say to me? I'm here. I'm listening and I'm available. I need to hear from you. We don't just visit and run by the secret place. I was thinking about how this, uh, this permanency, how to explain this permanency. And the best illustration I could get is um, I grew up when the internet first kind of started. Some of you don't know what it's like to not have the internet all the time. But when I was growing up, I actually had to pay someone to come add a second line, a phone line to my house, right? 
And when I wanted to get on the internet, when I wanted to get connected to the internet, there was a thing in my, in my computer called a modem, a dial-up modem. And it made a series of noises, right? And it would go, you've got mail, right? It would pop up. Come on, somebody. You know my era, right? And then suddenly I was connected to this entire thing. And it was awesome. I would plug in, I would dial up. It was slow and kind of sluggish, but, but the world was available to me. And then my mom would pick up the phone and I would be disconnected. Or when I was done, I would hang up, bloop, right? And that was the end. I was no longer connected. Some of us are still on dial-up in our relationship with God. And he's trying to move you to cable. He's trying to move you to a T1 connection. Because now I interact with the internet completely differently. It is always on. It is always a part of my life and relationship with the, how I interact with the world, right? I'm walking through my living room and I just yell out, Alexa, weather, right? And the internet speaks to me through the voice of this little box that is spying on my life. And she tells me it's going to be 70 and partly sunny. And I'm like, yes. And it's just a back and forth flow of relationship and information. And I'm not always uh, uh, thinking about it, but it's always on. And it's always part of what's going on. My phone dings. I have to swipe it into a mode to not ding, right? For any amount of time, I'm constantly connected. And the Lord's saying, I want you to have that kind. I got to move you out of dial up. It's no longer a, oh, I need something. You've got mail. It's not that anymore. It's you're dialed in all the time and he's downloading things all the time and you're getting text messages and you're getting conversational points and you're getting tips and you're driving and you're like, oh, and it's like ding and you're like, oh, that's right. And, and you're just the whole time, the whole time he wants you to be plugged in. That's what it's like to dwell in his presence. Stay plugged in the whole time. Third, it's secret. That sounds obvious, but what in the world does that mean? It's secret. That means it's intimate and personal between you and God. Intimate and personal between you and God, and he talks to you, and here's the thing you got to know about secrets. How do you tell secrets? You get close, and you whisper, and you get into someone's ear, and you let them tell you things that are just for you. And you tell them things that are from your heart that aren't from anybody else. And you say, God, today I'm in pain. And it's not everybody else's news, it's your news. And he says, hey, today I got something amazing for you. Or today I'm close because I know what you're going through and you're not alone. And it's personal and it's a secret and it's for you and your heavenly father. It's a secret. It's a secret. I told you all the crazy stuff God's downloaded into me, you'd have got rid of me years ago. <laughs> it's a secret. And when he tells me it's for all of you, then I give it to all of you. When he tells me it's for me, it's just for me. He's working on me. Some of you got to keep your God secrets a little better. Some of you got to listen. Just telling you. It's something you do when no one else is watching. It's not for show. It's a secret, it's intimate, it's close, and it's personal. And the last thing I want you to catch is that God sets the parameters of the secret place. He makes the rules, 
invites you into the process. The secret place. See, we're used to customizing everything now. Everything I own, I customize. Customize everything. Don't like it this way, change it. Make it fit you better, make it more comfortable, make it how you like it. Everything I own, I customize. And God's like, you come to this place and then you trust me and I customize it to you. And we want to customize how our relationship with God works. And he wants to change and transform us. And who's going to win? Who's going to win? If I had the power to customize it every time, I'd never have to be in the process. Right? I just get my way all the time. It's like, God, that's not my way. He's like, I know. Later, you'll thank me for not giving you your way. Right now, if I gave you your way, you'd mess this whole thing up. No, I'm out of here. It's like, no, stay close and trust me. I'm setting the parameters. I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. And I've given you all this power and free will in the midst of this. If you just trust me, the partnership of that will be amazing. Or you can mess it up. I still love you. But if you want to stay in the secret place, you want to stay close. Where I'm whispering into your ear, you're going to have to trust me. The secret place helps calibrate us to what God's plan is. We come to him with all of our plans, right? If I wasn't willing to be calibrated to God's plan, I never would have ended up here, right? I never would have stepped out in faith and been in ministry. I never would have done any of those things. The secret place calibrated me to his plan, calibrated me to hear his voice, just like it's calibrating you to hear his voice and hear his plan. God sets the parameters. Without the secret place, I couldn't have let God lead me into ministry. I couldn't have listened to his voice. I couldn't step out on faith and risk everything going again. I, I could have done any of those things. The secret place is where I hear God's voice and his plan, and I trust him to set the parameters. The reality is if I have to set all the parameters, I don't really need to go to the secret place. <laughs> I don't really need to. I'll just go do it. I'll just go make it happen. We've been in a series called Trust the Process, and kind of the conclusion of the matter is this, that God's working in us, and he's working on us. He's working in our lives. He has a plan, and he has a purpose. He has a personal one. He has a corporate one for all of us. He has a kingdom one that's bigger than just this community of believers, and that's the entire process he's putting us. If he's really a good father, if we honestly believe us, then he's using that process to strengthen us and prepare us for what he's planned for us next. The last thought I want to leave you with is this, just don't leave the process before it's finished. Don't go into the secret place, hear the plan, and be like, I'm out. I'm out. If that's the plan, God, I ain't going there. Don't leave the process before it's finished. As we've been talking about King David and, and uh, his life, there are so many moments where he could have kind of shortcut the process before it was finished. But God was working on him, and he was working on the plan, just like he's working on you. And the thing that kept him a person after God's own heart is he trusted God in the process. He trusted him the whole way through. So don't leave the process before it's finished. Some of you are right now trying to figure out, what am I going to do next? in the transition or whatever. And I'm just telling you, don't leave the process before it's finished. God's working. He's in it. He's designing and you're a part of it. 
don't bail out. Some of you are getting ready to go off to college. I'm so excited for you guys. You're getting ready to start the next season of your life. I'm excited for you guys. You're getting ready to start paying your own bills. I'm so excited for your parents. <laughs> be in the process right now. Be present. Let God work on you. Don't shortcut it. Don't run to the end. Let this season develop you, shape you, mold you for what God has for you next. Be in the process. Don't try to run and cheat. Don't get to the end. Don't tap out. Don't quit. Don't lose heart. We looked at David and we looked at Jesus. They never lost heart. They never tapped out. They stayed connected in the secret place. We must be the same. We don't trust the process. We trust God in the process. And that's the difference between those that have hope and those that don't. We trust God in the process. He has this and he has all of you. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for the promise of your presence. Heavenly Father, thanks for loving us with a perfect Father's love. Thanks for looking down at a bunch of broken vessels and saying I can make and intended to make something beautiful. Thanks for being the potter and we're the clay. Thanks for shaping us. Thanks for giving us access to you in, in incredible ways. Thanks that we can be in the secret place while we're drinking our coffee. We can be in the secret place while we're driving. We can be in the secret place while we're here in church. We can be in the secret place in every conversation. We can actually dwell and live and put roots down in the secret place because you are faithful and good to show up if we make a decision to love you and trust you and hear your voice. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the work you're doing in this community because of this body of believers. Thank you not just for the capital C church, all of us corporately, but for the individual souls that are represented in this room that you have a plan and a destiny for, for the people who are gonna come to know Jesus because of the spiritual conversations that are had in this room, for the kids that are gonna grow up like the ones we dedicated today in the knowledge and strength and confidence of their heavenly father because of your presence and because of the actions and behaviors of those that are in this room. Thanks for the hands and feet of, of Jesus that are represented by those that serve and work to, to create a place where you can have your way, I pray. And I pray forward through time and space and history to a, to a, to a, a leader who's coming. Would you anoint their hands and feet for the work that you have for them? I pray even beyond that to a time when we're celebrating in an eternal place in an eternal way the things that you've done and created in us and through us and i am just incredibly grateful and humbled to have been a part of it we love you and thank you in jesus name amen and amen